Welcome back to the Cup and Ball Pod, where you look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Ben, your serial podcasting battle special K for today. But who are my fellow Tottenham Crunchy nuts? Well, first, we have a man who wishes he was as regular as a bowl of bran flakes every morning. It's Ash. I'm numb. How are we doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, and next, we have an embodiment of Weetabix, where even a small amount of him is too much, and by the end, he'll be soggy and sad. It's Jules. Just put a sprinkle of sugar on, mate. All's, all's well. All's well. <laughs> and lastly, it's our very own Honey Monster. Uh, he goes monster mad whenever he has to edit anything that we do, uh, despite not actually being able to eat cereal. It's Jim. <laughs> Evening, you're right. <laughs> Good, thanks. Uh, our week started off great uh, with a win in the first round. Uh, sorry, the first leg of the round of 16 of the Europa League title against Dynamo Zagreb brief and Harry Kane was the main difference between the two sides um but the Croatian team that we were told not to underestimate they didn't really turn up Ash no they didn't I mean this is usually the part of the pod where I say something about how we played really well as a team they gave it their best but mate I was so fucking bored watching that game (laughs) it was so bad I mean, there was a point where the um, where their keeper just absolutely twatted it out of his foot. I don't know if you remember that really unorthodox save. save. Yeah, and I was so bored, I ended up just um, Googling the creation for habit just to see what it was. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's Imagti Gur. So if you ever find well, yourself we're, in creation. We're nothing if not educational. Uh, in fairness, the only person that said show them some respect was me, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I did see others who did vaguely know what they're talking they about. They don't know saying. what the fuck I'm talking about either. Yeah. It's just a thing you say. It's just a thing you say when you've got nothing else to say. It's just, ah, oh, well, give them some respect. <laughs> We're talking about giving them respect. The um, We had a really poor start, didn't we? Which I was really worried to give them confidence. Because they had those, we sort of gave them two open shots to go. And then they thought, for some reason, they didn't want to try anymore. And they just sat back <laughs> and gave Jose a taste of his own medicine. I quite like their first chance. I think they kicked off and the guy literally dribbled to the edge of our box. <laughs> after the kickoff, like you never see that. You see that on FIFA. I was so. going to say that the, that that is the absolute staple of all FIFA. Whereas in, in usually it's always rolled it back to the centre half who hits the diag and you go up for a header <laughs> unnecessarily. That's the standard. The only thing I'd give it, I'd give them is their uh, their kit was really satisfying. That was it. That's all I can remember from the game that I enjoyed. <laughs> Surely you thought- can remember the, the Harry Kane first goal. The Lamella's great movement is refusing to use his right foot uh, and Kane being at the right place at the right time as he always is. I know Lamella's held together by string, but you'd think the right foot is still there, wouldn't you? That's <laughs> such an awkward way to try and score. He must have some underlying childhood trauma, I think, because his hatred of his right foot is, is odd. It's like he used his right foot once and he kicked the ball into a wall and it bounced back into his crutch. And he ever since that day, just refuses to use it. It's very odd, but at least he set up his own goal with a, a kind of semi-ball roll, and it, it, it's not a Spurs game, unless Lamella does that, uh, amongst other things, which we'll probably discuss later. Yeah, and I thought um, Harry Kane, as you say, got the goal, but both of his goals were just the, the, the kind of the demonstration of why he's at the level which <laughs> Dinamo are not. Um, 
his intelligence just in terms of finding space and when he gets the ball quite often the goals look simple but that's because he doesn't rush them still the only um, other thing that came up that I thought was even worth talking about was Hoiberg getting booked again and the cynical <laughs> side of me wants to ask is that because if he got booked in the second leg he would have missed or the first leg of the next round or would it not pass over that way Sounds like the kind of thing you should have, you should fact checked, mate. Before. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> why I'm, I thought I'd ask you. I thought you would be my fact check. <laughs> I think he is suspended for the next leg, which does him a favour because they don't stop playing him. Um, so I think he just wanted a week off, essentially. So uh, fair play to him. I was just going to say that I could see the reflection in Jim's glasses that he's not doing the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody might have been ignoring the last five minutes and doing work instead. What? That's the reason I was looking at. I was like, this must be how teachers feel when they're at the front of the class and they know that someone's at the back on their phone. But at some point, I'm going to throw a question Jim's way and he's going to get... Uh, I don't well, know. <laughs> and it, and it could just be like a simple question. Like, oh, so, uh, so what's your name, Jim? <laughs> Look, lads, I'm going to level with you. You're talking about a match I didn't even watch, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best. Didn't miss out. Let's be honest. It was a two-no win. We'll beat them in the next one, and then it'll actually get interesting. Uh, I think overall, it was a, as boring as Ash made it. It was a pragmatic performance. It was fairly intelligent by us. We managed it fairly well. Everyone looked. All right, which is all we can really ask, really. At the end of the game, Dardamo's boss, Soren Mamic, said, congratulations to Tottenham. They took the chances. Harry Kane showed us once again what a master of football he is, uh, which I think is a fairly apt way of summing up Harry Kane. Uh, but it looks like Mamic is, is a master of certain other things, Ash. Yeah, something's <laughs> a bit more underhand. He's been in court recently, and he's had a four-year prison sentence upheld. It stems from uh, court cases regarding corruption and tax evasion, which his brother got caught up as well when he's in hiding at the moment in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And I don't know if you remember, but it's the stuff that um, that Modric's got caught up in as well. And there was all that drama about whether he would have to go to prison and couldn't play anymore. So we don't even know if he's going to be in the uh, in the second leg, but I can't see how it's going to be much of a difference. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but at least at home, we've had a lot of home games recently. Uh, we seem to be scoring a lot of goals, which is good because we're playing football. Uh, but it means we've had a lot of renditions of Darude's Sandstorm shortly after every goal. I mean, it's a bit of a golden nugget, not a cereal. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little bit bored of it, Jim. And Is there something else that you would prefer every time Spurs score a goal? I would really like... Right, OK. Let's do this from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think any club that plays goal music deserves immediate relegation with no appeals, which is why I'm annoyed every time Norwich City get promoted because it means that they're going to bring on bloody Samba de Janeiro again when they score their 50 goals in the 38 games they play in the Premier League before they get relegated again. Um, the Palace game, there were some really nice goals scored at White Hart Lane. And genuinely, hearing Darude Sandstorm four times just made me a little bit sad I was like I really want to enjoy these goals and instead I'm just remembering the club nights I can't have with like 90s mega mix on remix <laughs> I just can't be there um, I, I don't understand goal music I, I, I know at the moment it's like an attempt to manufacture some kind of atmosphere but what's the point because everybody knows there isn't an atmosphere Everybody knows there's nobody there, and we all accept it as abnormal anyway. 
Um, and when there are fans back in the stadium, you don't want, you don't want goal music. You just want to hear the noise of people celebrating and being happy and having a nice time. Mm. You want to hear Spurs chants. You want to hear people shouting their heads off and hugging strangers and doing all the things that make football great. Not a hackneyed '90s song that's just got no relevance <laughs> whatsoever to Tottenham Hotspur. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Do you feel better for getting that off your chest? And, um, do you, and do you need some help? I could do with a pint, which brings me back to the whole not missing out on nights out thing. But if you are going to have music, at least make it relevant to the club. Mm, like if Palace doesn't, Dave. Yeah, if Palace played like on the rare occasion that Palace score goals, if they played Faithless. Right. I wouldn't like it, but at least be like, okay, right, Rollo Armstrong's a Palace fan. Fair enough, that's quite cute. And you get insomnia watching Palace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's Darude got to do with Spurs? <laughs> oh, he's coins as fuck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't we have a, isn't AJ Tracy one of our uh, one of our like celebrity fans? Yeah, live and direct, mate. And Adele. <laughs> yeah, Adele. You're dropping right. too deep instead of rolling in a deep. <laughs> we'd probably end up going for. To me, I went for Let's Hang On from Fun- uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons because that's pretty much what we do after we score our first. I went on a, a similar tact, Ash. I went for Smile Like You Mean It because that's how I feel after every time Tottenham score a goal at the moment. <laughs> you know you should smile, but you think, well, what's the point? None of this will matter. It is just a consolation goal. That's what brings on to my second suggestion, which was sit down by Jane. Because you know it's just going to get the pressing again five minutes later. Do you remember they used to play that at White Hart Lane as part of their um, like sort of PR campaign to get to stop persistent standing? And they used to play oh, that. They? I hate Tottenham yes. sometimes. <laughs> Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pounding. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel because watching yeah. Tottenham Hotspur leaves me numb. <laughs> Speaking I'm... of feeling numb, should we move on to Arsenal? Right, yeah, fine. We let's do. do we'll speak about... If we're doing our best to not talk about it, fine, I get it. <laughs> let's address it. Get out of the way. Um, yeah, North London <laughs> derby, it happened. It was horrible to watch. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. See you next week. Uh, <laughs> no, let's deal with this properly. Uh, started off pretty badly and got worse. Um, Doherty shredded like wheat. Not a cereal. Uh, that was a common theme for the game, uh, but particularly for the first goal duels. Yeah, I mean, he got absolutely torn apart, didn't he? Sometimes you feel like, I mean, if there was a taxi for Micon, I don't know what kind of fucking vehicle you need for Doherty. <laughs> um, Christ, he got absolutely done. And He'd need that bulletproof limo that King John Unas. And you know, he's also <laughs> got like 10 other security guards running alongside it. That is the amount of protection the man needs just so, to defend one on one. I mean, <laughs> continuing your analogy, doesn't that? I mean, I could see Davinson Sanchez as a security guard, like the earpiece, but he would be that security, security guard who like tries to jump in front of the bullet and misses it. Um, Sanchez no, would be on the floor before the bullet's even been shot. <laughs> yeah. To be, to, to be fair to Sanchez, I thought he, had, he was probably our best player in the first 30. He made a lot of clearances, a lot of important defensive contributions. Just as always, he's good for 88 minutes of a game and then has a glitch 
but glitches in your own box are expensive. Yeah. He's, he's like it's like Windows 2000, isn't he? <laughs> Nobody really wanted it. Not many people go for it. But then once you've got it, you're stuck with it, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, it was it was torrid for Doherty, and I think they they really targeted him, didn't they? Um, and he was he was all over the place. Not I, I understand he's not a great one-on-one defender, but his positioning just really exposed the fact that he's not a fullback. He's a wingback. I also remember one of the things we discussed on this pod quite early on was uh, goodbyes of the summer. And there was a lot of talk about Doherty potentially being quite a good signing. You know, last week when I said, was I wrong about writing off Gareth Bale too early? Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is he with it? It, you know, if you want to be a side that's better than sixth or seventh, I'm not sure whether he's a particularly strong link in the chain. I don't know whether that's unfair, but there's, there just seems to be quite a few deficiencies in his game that you cut. They're not they're not issues that you can coach out. They're just things he's not good at, and he'll never be good at. I think I think the problem with Doherty is that wing back is a really specialist role, and there are players who fit it that seem to only be able to do that and never anything else really effectively. Like Victor Moses, who had won like one or two unbelievable seasons at Chelsea as a wing-back, but has never been able to be a good winger or a good right-back. I think you could say the same of Marcus Alonso. You could, like, there are always examples of these players, and Doherty just seems to fall into that bracket, and he's not young enough to retrain him or to, to look at him as an improvement. Like... He's come in on actually quite a big wage. Um, we're not going to get resale value out of him because he's too old. And he's worse than our youth team backup right back. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not pretty to watch. I think the most disappointing thing is I think we we knew that we were going to lose something defensively with him. But the problem is he hasn't given us anything going forward either. He, his crossing is pretty fucking shit. Um, he, <laughs> he hasn't been getting in the box either. So I'm not... I'm not sure what he's there for. But anyway, we, we got the first goal, didn't we? I'm not sure quite what happened for the ball to fall to uh, Lamella, but then he gave us all a bit of a Rabona and, um, <laughs> and uh, the ball nestling in the back of the net. It was it was quite something to watch, wasn't it, Tom? I mean, if, you, if that had happened to you on FIFA, you'd have rage quit and then the game just, <laughs> you could have finished there uh, and it was absolutely fine. But... Um, <laughs> absolutely didn't deserve to, to even be in the box in that first half. Like was, We had absolutely no right for, for that to happen. But but that said, Lamella coming on did make a difference. He does bring a certain amount of aggression, perhaps too much in this instance, uh, and tenacity, um, which was a breath of fresh air on what had been going on before because everyone looks lethargic. There was no intensity. Uh, and it, unfortunately, in a game like this, it's just... It's damning. It's it's. There's no excuse for it. That's the worst off London derby we've seen uh, in years and years and years. And I know we don't have a good track record at, away at the Emirates. I know we seem like we've they've been in our shadow for the last like five years. We haven't actually gone there once since Yunus Kabul was doing bits with Van der Vaart. Um and that was like nine years, ten years ago, wasn't it? Just going back to Lamella's goal on the rare subject of happy things. The two things that made, apart from the fact that it's just a naughty goal, just like that, <laughs> just stop it. Um, just the look on their face was like, "Excuse me, have you have, have you forgotten who you are?" 
Yeah, I've seen you in training plenty. You never do anything like that. <laughs> we spoke about it earlier about him not having a right foot, and I think that's the only reason he ever does the Rabona. But you know what? It worked on this occasion. It got me out of my seat, and then we were probably sat back down in it when, when the. Uh, I think we all saw the goal coming that way. We've spoken a lot recently about how teams dominating possessions, whether that means a goal is or isn't coming. We've had that debate quite a lot. I don't think anyone can argue that this one was coming. They've dominated us down their left-hand side, as we've discussed. The ball came in to a completely unmarked, um, was it Odegaard, wasn't it? Mm. And deflection or no deflection, he's got to bury it all day long. So, But that was shit, wasn't it? There were a couple of sort of semi warnings before that as well weren't there there was the uh well a couple of times in the game actually arsenal hit the hit the hit the post and hit the bar and the the warning signs were there and they just weren't heeded i don't know, it was it was all just a bit flat wasn't it as soon as it came to him he was never going to not bury that one even in the second half the, the sort of the inertia starts to started to set in with our passing i felt as well like suddenly we couldn't you, people were getting were passing the ball to get rid of it because they didn't want to be the one dispossessed um, and we started having, I think we had about six goal kicks in a row where Lloris tried to play it out and we didn't get out of our half. And that's ultimately then how the next goal comes is, is a poor bit of sort of distribution where we completely lost our composure. Um, they thread a ball into the box and Sanchez does what Sanchez does, which is be brave, but be stupid. Um, but is it a penalty, Jules? Is it like I said? It was Stonewall, which is strange for us because he doesn't think yeah. anything ever is let a me, foul. Let me just say, when I say it's Stonewall, I mean it's going to be given every day of the week. The way the rules are at the moment, I fucking hate that that is a penalty. It should never be a penalty. How's it not? Every defender should be allowed the opportunity to try and block a shot, and yeah. quite often you're going towards where the player is swinging his foot in the follow through. So it's but, not he didn't it didn't impede him from kicking the ball. Lacazette went to kick the ball, missed it, followed through and hit Sanchez. That's that's the part that I really the don't like. The is he that late though? Is he just? <laughs> is it just that Lacazette followed through and kicked him? Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, I mean if Sanchez doesn't make that sort of challenge, you'd be fuming at him because. Most realistically, yeah. you actually expect Lacazette to connect with that properly. Uh, and if Sanchez doesn't make that challenge, then he can't block what would be a properly connected with shot. So he has to make that challenge. But then just because Lacazette happened to absolutely scuff it, uh, which he could never have predicted, like you'd never expect that because Lacazette is, is a good finisher, as we saw last season, that goal he scored against us. Um, he can't expect that. If Sanchez for me, is, is entitled to go for that ball. The fact that the players then come together after the ball has gone is partly there's there is an inevitability about it. I get you coming arriving late and clearing out a man is that that is a foul. In that incident, you're not quite sure who's initiating the contact. So is that is that a clear penalty? I don't know. But I mean ultimately, Ash, you, you say he's allowed to to try and block the shot. If he had slid one foot to the right, it would have been an attempted block and he wouldn't have made contact with him but you can't go through someone's almost like their kicking range at the time when they're doing that ultimately then, and expect to get away with it 
No, but he's no. He, if he's blocking a foot away from him, he's nowhere near the ball. That's the most ineffective thing ever. That's that'll be like that weird little head thing he did against City. Would have had no chance of getting it. To stop the shot, you've got to get near the shot. It's it's, it's the definition well, of defending. He, you have to do that. You've, like Tom said, he has to try. He has to try and block that shot. And that's why I think so. Like I, t- I tell you, who would have slid? He's a slid. He's, I tell slid. you. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you who would have slid a foot to the right and tried to block it would have been either Vertonghen or Alderweireld. You just can't afford to get that close and risk doing that with a forward in the box in the modern game. So, yeah, so the defending wasn't great and our attacking was even worse. So <laughs> I wanted there was one thing that I wanted to bring up. And it's our forwards and our midfield are awful at making runs and presenting for the ball. The only times you see a centre mid getting the ball is when they drop deep to either receive it from the, the centre-backs or from the full-back or to give an option that way. And our, our forward three, whoever they are, seem so static. Static. The only run that's ever there is um, is Harry Kane dropping deep and then Son trying to get in behind. That's the only bit of movement there is. I want to see more lateral movement as well as that trying to get in behind. I want to see them trying to bamboozle a defence and get it out of the mark, but which is so easy to mark. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think in centre mid, don't be the coward who like comes and stands a foot away from the centre back demanding the ball. Yeah. Because it it anyone can come and get the ball there. Like like <laughs> as much as I like Hoybjerg for a lot of reasons and things he does, he does tend to come and stand about three foot away from the centre half, take the ball and pass it to the other centre half. And it's not <laughs> very progressive. Um, Even to dare to Dawson. Well, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, Eric Dyer could do that job. But that's now eight losses in eight games um, against top half opposition since we last played Arsenal. So it's great. If you've got Son and Kane, you're going to beat shit teams because you've just got more firepower. But any time right now we come up against our equals, not, not, not even, you know, City's a different kettle of fish, but your Everton's or your Arsenal's, we are at the moment losing, and that is really, really worrying. I think it's about if you want to be a side that's better than sixth or seventh, you've, part of it is it's obviously having better players, but but part of it is the approach you take in these games. Successful teams, apart from uh, the cities of this world and Liverpool last season, good teams that have good seasons punch up. Look at United this year. They, for a long time, even at the start of the season, they got battered 6-1 by Spurs at Old Trafford. <laughs> Everybody thought they were a write-off and not a very good team. And, that, you know, they'd, they'd finish sixth if they were lucky. But they have possibly played played out of their skins, really, and done slightly better than, than possibly their squad talent suggests they should. They're, they're, they're more than the sum of their parts, essentially. Um if you look at Spurs' approach to these games, if if all you do is lose against sides above you and beat sides below you, that's that's just perfect recipe to be a mid-table side. Um, punching upwards, beating teams that are ostensibly in better form or in a better league position or have a better, more of a threat at any given point is the only way you can start to to make kind of long-term progress. And it feels like uh, we've you know we've had the the conversation before about whether Spurs are a very good side. I guess there are 
are questions around some players and, and maybe around about sixth is is about right. But it, the only way to, to kind of improve upon that is to, to be better in these kinds of games. And if you're not, it does leave you very vulnerable to not being able to drop points at all against, you know, you can't have an off day against Fulham or Palace or whoever because they're the only places that you can get points. I think the biggest worry about it as well is that if Jose Mourinho is not making us step up against the bigger teams, then what on earth have we brought him in for? Because that's literally what he staked his career on. Is like when he was at Chelsea, all the all the Chelsea fans will tell you they looked forward to the big games because they know they mm. were getting a they were getting a performance, and we're not getting that. And a lot of people obviously were picked out Bale's. Um, but it was body language on the pitch against Arsenal, but it was the whole team. And hmm. a lot of fans, again, have been saying, oh, yeah, well, we saw that under Pochettino. But the majority of that team, there wasn't many of them that played more than two months under Pochettino. I didn't like the fact that he came out after the game and immediately chucked certain players under the bus as well. It came wasn't out a surprise, though, was it? No, no but, but, he, but he came out and he said, it's the ref's fault and my players bottled it. Yeah. And he's and he said, "Oh, and I told them to go out and be attacking." It's like, well, you clearly fucking didn't do a very good job of telling him that, did you? Because, mm. <laughs> like, you can see that these are a group of players who go on the pitch with very little cohesive instruction. All that happens is we we pull together three or four wins against shit teams, which is easier when you're in Europa League. Because let's be honest, we haven't played a single team that we should expect to do anything other than twat this year. <laughs> so, so, so you you basically get a free a free hit in the week to get your confidence up. Half the league are shit, so then you win those games. And the other half, we lose to. So really, would it be any different if you just put a set of dice in charge of the team and just, <laughs> hit, just hit fucking random generators? He's at Burnley. Bring back to Sherwood, I say. It, well, it, it also does come back to the thing, doesn't it? That if you are going to be that inconsistent, you may as well play good football and accept that sometimes you're going to get absolutely twatted, but at least you have fun along the way. Um, it's interesting what, what Jose says when he says things like that, about, you know, I, I told my players to go out and attack and they didn't. He keeps saying that. Uh, so that kind of suggests, if he keeps saying it and they're not listening, that suggests he's kind of subliminally saying, I'm not a very good coach. Yeah. And we know that's not true. He is a good coach. He's he's one Probably. of the best coaches ever to exist in the game. He but, also said he also said though less than a month ago that coaches don't really have any impact and it's just about the quality of your players. At which point, why the hell are we paying fifteen million quid a year? <laughs> yeah, um, well, he would tell us that after we paid the money. <laughs> I guess on a slightly boring, serious note, he's he sort of got a point. It's obvious, isn't it? The better you play, the better you'll do. But um, there's just something there's something really weird, whether it's communication or the way he his man management skills, you know, a kind of emotional intelligence, I suppose, that suggests he doesn't get through to his players. And it's it's kind of something that's developed over the course of five or six years with mm. Jose. I wonder whether footballers are just built differently now to how they used to be. I'm, I'm really interested about why he suddenly doesn't seem very good at that. Oh, I don't know. As England fans over the years, I'm sure you can tell us that having the players isn't the be-all and end-all. You need, you need some <laughs> management in there, don't you? Bitch. So, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll take it away from... Ash is, Ash is absolutely right, though. Like, look at... Yeah. I, I always think of 
in, even in even in international football, I know Ash is prodding the needle there, and I I throw it forward <laughs> to to the, to the right, Euros right, right. in the summer, <laughs> um, particularly as as I can support France as well. But Ash makes a good point because wasn't there was it uh, World Cup 2014 when Italy were fantastic despite having an awful squad. The Euros, wasn't it, when we got to the final against Spain and we had had, we had absolutely no reason or right to be there. By virtue of your manager <laughs> and what he did and how he motivated the group and how he brought the collective together and the, the coaching that he did, he mm. got so much more out. And Jim, you always say, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah, some yeah, of your um, parts. Totally. Um, that, that is what makes a good manager. Like, I, I completely agree with that, by the way. A good coach, a good manager brings more out of his players than than they offer by themselves but he does there is just a common sense thing that, that good players yeah. help you know well, uh, <laughs> yeah taking away from the manager a bit the the legend that is tony cowley got back in touch with us on facebook again yes. and Hero. he <laughs> he is he is he wants to know if well he wants to know quite a lot but one, one of them <laughs> one of the points he raised was if if you're daniel levy do you go down and give everyone a bollocking? Uh, he knows that most people will say chairman should not get involved, but like, how much of that can you take? That that lack of determination, that sort of body language that we saw out there. Would what, would you go down and have a few words? And if so, what would they be? The issue with that I would have is, let's say you are uh, the CEO of Samsung, and you don't, you're not actually a tech engineer, but you are a business person. And something goes wrong with your tech or something's not working in, your, in the way that you build your, your phone. If the CEO comes down to the engineers and gives them a bollocking, the engineers would be perfect. would be like, OK, fair enough, you're my boss. But they might be perfectly entitled to turn around and go, well, what do you know about engineering? Like in the same way, what does without I'm not having a go at Daniel Levy, but who is Daniel Levy to have a go at people to say you're not you're not coaching properly, you're not playing properly because he's not a football person, he's a business person. And kind of what works with him is I think he knows where the line is. Yeah, and I'd agree with Jim. And I think that's in spite of the fact that I'd like to do a Billy Bean from Moneyball and go down there with a baseball bat and really <laughs> and really and really and really shook them all up. But at the end of the day, Daniel Levy's job is to decide whether or not the coach is doing a good job and to put in place the best infrastructure and surrounding for the club to succeed. He's not a manager. And there's a dangerous, uh, I mean, Ash, <laughs> we only have to look at De Laurentiis at, at Napoli, <laughs> who regularly is, a, is the owner who goes absolutely nuts at players who turn around and go, what the fuck are you talking about? You make films. Um, <laughs> and, and and we probably shouldn't incite such activity. So so Daniel, if you're le- if you're listening by any chance, please don't go down there with the baseball bat and Billy Bean. It. Um, we all feel like we want to, but that's because we're fans. When you're the you're the chairman, you have to be more sensible than us. Another question about that point you you mentioned that he it's his job to decide whether the coaches staff are doing a good enough job. Tony also went on to ask whether you think Jose will be in charge by Christmas. I mean, he'll be unemployed for coming up to six months by the time we get to Christmas. So <laughs> I mean, that's the way I see it. I mean, he could have easily have been sacked before this recent run of good form up until this weekend, of course. Um, but there was no point in sacking him because there was no one else to replace him with. It would either be far too expensive or you just stick a caretaker in to the end of the season. And we're already in a cup final, which kind of earned by merit, but also kind of earned by uh, having the worst draw in, in 
the only buy. cup history and having a buy in the first round <laughs> and winning a shootout. So whatever. But he's earned his cup final. There was no point in sacking him. Let him have his uh, comeuppance with a cup final and potentially the Europa League and just see what happens and call this season a write-off. But Levy faces a really genuinely tough question in the summer. It could be an expensive one. Uh, as to what do do I ax him now? Do I stop the rot now? Um, but you know, kind of talking about what we were talking about earlier and the issues on the pitch with Jose trying to tell people to attack is that him or is that the players? Could be a bit of both. Uh, maybe we're repeating ourselves a bit, but it is a question of who replaces him as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I heard an interesting conversation earlier somewhere, I can't remember where it was, about somebody saying, there's, there's a lot of talk about Julian Nagelsmann and how he's the kind of darling of German football, but every time you watch Leipzig, they seem really disappointing. Uh, and I th- it would be really very spursy to get somebody <laughs> like Nagelsmann and it just to be a complete disaster. Frank the ball, part two. <laughs> yeah, we're still, we're still above them, so fuck them. They can say all they want about London being red. <laughs> <laughs> They're still only the fourth best team in London. <laughs> They're still behind us, so fuck a lot of them. Yeah, and Palace ain't far behind them either. But speaking about seeing red, obviously, look, we have to talk about it. We haven't talked about it. We skirted around it. We, this, like, Lamella was genius for his goal, but I will forget that goal in the back end of history, uh, in my football memory anyway, because I think his sending off really was more lost as the game. I... I I've seen some people like uh, you, Ash, who doesn't give fouls. Like, there's no, been no point you refereeing a game and giving you a whistle. Um, <laughs> like, you would never give that as a as a yellow card. Uh, I've seen mixed reviews uh, from mm. from Spurs fans on the internet. And uh, when I saw it happen, I thought it was fair game. Yeah, no, I acknowledge, again, it's similar with the penalty. I acknowledge that in the game and the rules as they are, it's always going to be given. But it wasn't a swinging arm. He wasn't a, how, an arm that was all thrusted towards the attack. It was just held up at sort of chest height. I think he was a bit unfortunate that it's a, se- a second yellow. I think personally, I think that's harsh. I've, I've got to step in on two fronts. Go no, <laughs> number, number one, he was lucky to even be on the pitch at that stage. He was careering into people, left, right and centre, it's, it's sort of like the excuse of like, oh, well, he ran really hard into my fist. It's like, no, well, just don't have your arm up there. Like, keep it down. <laughs> it's a derby. You're on a yellow card. Show some self-awareness, some fucking composure. You're a professional footballer. You can see that, that you are treading the line. What the fuck are you doing giving the ref any excuse to give any foul? He's like Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs, I think. You know, he, the one who was brought in is a seasoned pro Everyone's seen him come in and thought, yeah, he knows how to use a weapon. This would be good. And the next thing you know, you come back and he's cutting the ear of a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> it's and the that's... opportunity thing, isn't it? That's I can sort of see the argument that in isolation, it's an unlucky yellow card. I, d- I don't necessarily agree. I'd have given yellow for that anyway, I think. But it, the other thing is it's not in isolation. He's had multiple warnings. He's on a yellow. It's a game that's, that's hot anyway. I, I don't, it's just moronic. Mm. Yeah. But I would, rules. I would, um, I would contest one thing. You said you thought it cost Spurs the game. I don't. I think Spurs played better with him off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Gen- genuinely, think they were better. Yeah, with it's him the off. old 
ten man thing of well fucking hell we need to turn up now. Oh yeah, it's a North London derby. Oh shit, we've only got ten minutes to do something about this. I read nothing into that last ten minutes and we've seen it time and time again where we've been at one all against Palace and oh shit, last ten, fifteen we need to try and do something. The red card did trigger that, but that wouldn't have come about without the red card, if you know what I mean. But I I just don't think well, we just didn't deserve anything out of the game. Oh, we did get a couple of random things that will uh, hopefully cheer you up. First one was from uh, Martin Newson on Twitter. That's at cockable underscore pod. That's it, Ash. That's how you plug a social. Um, <laughs> Just search yeah. Cock and Ball Podcast and you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And what's that Facebook group you need to find us on as well? Uh, we're in THFC today. We're everywhere. We we, we get around. Fucking hamsters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Martin Newson on Cock and Ball underscore pod, our Twitter. Uh, he said, what's the chance of the Norfolk Senior Cup being completed? Uh, and he's added uh, Deerham Town, which is obviously his local town, which is uh, somewhere in East Norfolk somewhere. Uh, I did kind of pop the question to him. If Spurs were competing in the Norfolk Senior Cup, would we actually win? Uh, to which he said, well, actually, physically for 90 minutes, I don't think we'd be able to compete, um, which is a bit of a sad indictment, but he's not far wrong. What I loved about them the Hart Senior Cup. So this is what Stevenage would always be in. And they used the hashtag, the road to Letchworth. No one cares about the Hart <laughs> Senior Cup final with fucking Letchworth. Can I take us down a different tangent? I looked only an hour ago to see what questions we got. And probably my favourite comment I've seen on our Twitter since it started from the paint guy, who says, <laughs> don't, know, don't know where this fits, but I've managed to spill salsa on my toddler's head having tortilla chips and salsa. If you could spill a condiment on one Spurs player's head after Sunday's game, what condiment would it be and which player? I'd go for like Nando's hot sauce, all that, all into like the eyes of Doherty. Oh, but that's, I think that crosses the line from funny to vindictive. Have you met me? Yeah, true for the point. Maybe some uh, satsiki on Lamella to cool it down. Maybe some wasabi on Bale to get him fucking firing again because that was <laughs> I'd just not I'd not go for a condiment I'd put you know when you have a hot chocolate and you have squirty cream on top I'd put squirty cream on Lamella because he's a fucking mug <laughs> <laughs> yeah hashtag satire Ash, tell us what's going to happen on Thursday then for Zagreb. Uh, I'm going to probably just stare at a wall instead for 90 minutes. It'll be more exciting. Uh, That's what their manager's doing, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to have the ball for 90 minutes and we're just going to pass it left and right and they're just going to sit back and we will probably win 2-0 uh, again. Agreed. Does anyone have any any contradictory thoughts on that? <laughs> no. So, so, so we go from... Dinamo to to Villa. What do you think, Fen? What's uh, what's going to be coming our way there? Uh, I mean, it's a must-win game because that was uh, the game at hand, I think. Uh, but they're not in great form. So if they choose to play like a mid-table team, which of late they've started to do, um, then we might have a chance because we only beat mid-table teams. Uh, but if they start to play like they were when they were sort of knocking on the door of the top four, uh, which they've dropped away from, then... I'm a little bit concerned. They talk about Jack Grealish coming back as well and the lift that will give them. So it's doing me a big concern. I'm not positive. I'm looking at a 2-1 loss there. What about you, Ash? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Tom. 
two of the least predictable teams in the league. They could do some damage to us, particularly if we play with as little intensity as we did. I'm going to go with 1-1. I'm afraid I'm going to side closer to Fenn. I'm going to go for a 3-2 loss. They've just got the kind of forwards which spell trouble. And, you know, you guys know how long I've been an advocate of Ollie Watkins. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, mm. he looks like absolute nightmare for all of our centre-backs right now. Oh, you've all been drinking the negativity Kool-Aid, haven't you? Mm. <laughs> but it tastes so sweet, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> We're so used to it. We grew up on this. <laughs> Read the room. Five relegations in a decade. Um, <laughs> it's going to be tight, I think. All Villa's games generally are quite tight. There's, they're usually one goal, but they're in average form. I don't think Spurs will lose this, but I think I'll side with Ash and say one all. And I've got a feeling it'll be incredibly boring. Yeah. Mm. Who, it could be who, a nil nil. Having, having spoken about um, a certain manager ending up in prison, does it not feel a bit like having to serve a sentence watching this at 7.30 on your Sunday evening? That's, that's purgatory. That is, <laughs> that is. This is why match of the day is your friend. <laughs> well, we've done... Coco pops to death after Lamella's performances this week, but uh, we'll keep it with a serial vibe. It's cheerios for now, and we'll see you next time.